the Lightning Process podcast. Using the tools of the mind-body connection for health and happiness. And a very warm welcome from me, your host, Dr. Phil Parker, to this episode. Today's episode is all about the extraordinary importance of language on health. Now, if you'd said to me that language had an effect on health when I was growing up or studying science, I would have thought you were probably a little bit crazy because as far as I could tell, everything told me that language doesn't really make that much difference to our health. It's not like drugs or surgery. There's an old phrase, isn't there? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can never harm me. And the idea of that is if people call you names, it doesn't really matter. What's interesting is there is so much research that says even that isn't true. It's a fascinating piece of research. They looked at what happens when people experience pain, what happens neurologically, and there's certain pathways that tend to be triggered, certain areas of the brain which are woken up when we experience pain. And then they considered what happens when people experience emotional pain. That means when people are being criticised or someone's being unpleasant to them. Turns out that exactly the same pathways are switched on when people experience emotional discomfort and pain as when they experience genuine pain, physical pain. So the brain doesn't really process those two things differently. So words do harm us in exactly the same way as physical pain. But you've probably been around the block a few times. You know that already. We've all experienced what it feels like when someone says something unpleasant. It does seem to affect us really strongly. And, and in fact, one of the reasons they did the, the research was the way people use language when they described being hurt or attacked, criticized, they, they would describe it as being stabbed in the back or uh, felt like my heart was ripped out or punched to the stomach. And quite often these idioms are quite a good clue as to what's going on. Years and years of experiential research, people going, this is what it feels like, is translated into language. But today what I want to talk about is the extraordinary power of language, both to harm us and also to help us. Because it is a two-way street. If neurology can be switched on by having difficult conversations, experiencing difficult emotions, then it's not a stretch to imagine that positive conversations, both from people around us and particularly our internal conversations, might have a positive impact on our neurology. It turns out that this is the case. There's now a growing body of evidence that says the kind of conversations we're surrounded by, both externally, people having chats to us, bringing conversations to us, and our internal dialogue, the internal narrative we run, have an effect on our health. So an interesting study has recently come out that looks at what we're thinking about and discussing in our heads and how that affects our experience of pain. If you recall positive thoughts and talk yourself through positive memories, then you'll have a reduced experience of pain. So in this study, they would give people a certain amount of pain that they'd measure on a scale, and then they'd get them to think about something pleasant from their past. And the more they thought about, engaged with it, and taught themselves through that experience, the more the pain reduced. Professor Irene Tracy in Oxford did some similar studies. In the study, participants were given a certain degree of pain using hot water around their leg. And then she attached them to a machine that would deliver an opiate. And the opiate would knock the pain out. 
But in this particular experiment, they were interested to see the power of suggestion. So it was set up so that the person was attached to this machine that would silently pump the drug into their system. The researcher would say things like, I'm starting to add the opiate into the mixture right now. Are we pumping into your body? But what they really were observing was how people responded because a number of the times when they said this, they didn't actually switch the machine on. But in spite of that, just as a result of the suggestion the drug was being administered, the pain was reduced. Later, as the opiates were introduced, they found there was an increase in pain reduction as a result of the opiates. And then they said, we're switching it off now. But again, they lied. And what they found was, as soon as they said the opiates are no longer in your system, people's pain increased. So we see a really strong correlation between the suggestion the drug is being delivered and reduction of pain, and the suggestion the drug is now being removed and the pain returning. So what does these studies mean to us? Well, it tells us that that words have an effect. The conversations around us, particularly in these medical environments, but also just conversations when we're thinking about a memory, a positive memory, a happy memory, a happy time, are enough to shift our experience of pain. Now, pain is a good example of a neurophysiological experience. We've got changes in our body chemistry, but also changes in our neurology. But if you listen to some of my other podcasts in this series, you'll know this is not just limited to pain. This affects autoimmune responses, allergic reactions, digestion, even the effects of Parkinson's. And in all cases, there's this element of what are we saying to ourselves? What are people saying to us? One of the most interesting studies which I think I've mentioned before, is when they gave people placebos and they said, this is a placebo, it has nothing in it. But when they explained why placebos work, when they had that rationale, then the participants responded just as they would to be giving a placebo without knowing it was a placebo and getting the effects of the actual drug itself. So we need to be particularly careful about our language. Now, if you've done the lightning process, I know some people listening to the podcast have, You'll know this, but it's really important to be reminded. One of the simple takeaways from this is think about the words you use. If you're working with patients, if you're a clinician, then really think about how often you use the words like pain or anxiety or stress or disease or illness, because each of these words has a neurological footprint. And when we think about it, a lot of our work is to help people's neurophysiology to move in a different direction, whether it's by giving drugs or surgery, getting them to calm down, exercising, changing their diet. It's all about creating change. So anything we can do to support and encourage that is going to be useful. One of the things I often talk to people about is the use of scales. There's a common scale called the visual analog pain scale. And it's a little line where it asks people to measure their pain. And it says on one end of the line is the worst pain imaginable, the worst pain you've ever had. And on the other end of the line is no pain. But if we just pause for a minute and think about what this is doing, if we take ourselves back to that study about research into taking yourself back to nice memories reduces your pain, then 
taking yourself back to the worst pain imaginable, which you'd have to do in order to think about that scale and measure how you are, you're actually triggering the neurology that's likely to increase pain. We also know the word pain itself, and I must apologize for saying it so many times in this podcast, but those words, the P words, have a huge impact on our neurology and once again will trigger that symptom as a result of triggering the neurology. Remember the Irene Tracy work where just by the mention of giving painkillers reduced the experience of it. The other thing is that if you look at the other end of the scale from instead of pain the worst you can imagine, the other end of the scale is no pain, but it still includes the word pain. It could be redesigned, it could be a comfort scale. We'd still get the same results, but maybe we'd get better results, better improvements, instead of constantly talking about words that trigger the wrong kind of neurology. Now, it's not the doctor's fault. It's part of uh, the, the evidence base and the research, the way that we built scales in the past. It takes a bit of thinking to think, well, what is the word I want? I was working at a school once and training them in using language. And they said, well, you know, if I see someone running, I say, stop running. Or if I see someone about to hit someone, I say, don't hit them. Now, interesting, neurologically, those words, running and hit, are command suggestions to do exactly that action. And it takes a little bit of extra thinking to think, right, what do I actually want? Instead of I want them not to run, I want them to walk slowly. I want them, instead of to hit that child, I want them to lower their fist, put their hand down. But that takes a little bit of extra processing, so that's why we don't do it. But when we do, our communication becomes clearer. And in terms of talking to ourselves, which is of peak interest to many people listening, changing the language we have around what we want rather than what we don't want is so neurologically important. I cannot overestimate it. So pay attention to your words. Are the words you're using moving in the direction you want to? Are they helping your body? There's a whole field called salutogenic language, which is about welcoming health rather than disease-based language. Which ones do we tend to use the most when we talk about ourselves? Now, if you've done the lightning process, hopefully you're moving in the right direction. But because we have creatures of habit, because we get used to doing things the same way, it can often take a little bit of time to spot and to shift a neurological focus so we can start to use the words that might help us move forwards to the place that we want to be. So I hope you found that useful. Shift your language, such an important thing to do, such an easy thing to do, and yet at the same time quite tricky because it occurs mostly at an unconscious level. We don't choose our words very consciously. Start to be more conscious about the words you use and see what a difference it makes. See you on the next one. The Lightning Process Podcast. Using the tools of the mind-body connection for health and happiness. If you'd like to know more, please visit us at lightningprocess.co.uk.